0: Now I'm on, okay, that'll work. <laughs> Just in time to pass it off. So, hey, you know this guy tonight. He was, he's with Appalachia Service Project. That's how I know you. That's where I met you. Yeah. yeah I know. So, hey, please welcome to the stage, Walter Crouch. Thank you, thank you. Well, good evening, it's good to be with you. And the uh, first thing I wanna do is I wanna thank you all. Um, Yesterday was an incredible day, Uh, one of the best days that uh, I've had in my ministry, and you all helped make that happen, I want you to know. I don't know if we can get the slides going here, get the uh, first one up. You can probably skip the first one, that's my intro slide. So, are we good? Oh, it's behind me. I'm looking to see back there too. So, here we are. So, yesterday we dedicated our first home in our Kentucky flood recovery effort, um, this home was uh, finished last week. Uh, they waited till I got back from a cruise to <laughs> dedicate it. Yes, I, I have to say that kind of quietly. It was actually my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, uh, Pam's uh, sister. It's their 50th wedding anniversary cruise. And it's kind of one of those things you don't say no to when they ask you to go along. So, But the house was actually finished last week within three months of the flood event. That's just incredible, incredible. God was good. I mean, 60 days to build a home. So here you have Miss Shirley and her daughter Tracy and her two granddaughters. And the tall woman to the left is actually First Lady Brittany Bashir, uh, the governor's wife in Kentucky, that came out to the dedication service, which was a real added bonus, something that my staff felt they didn't need to tell me while I was on the cruise. I mean, I was like... I mean, I just happened to see it in an email string on an attachment. And I'm like, well, you, what's up, guys? I mean, this is a big deal with uh, with her coming. And anyway, uh, here's the house. And uh, one more, do the next slide, get a shot inside. I think the next slide has a shot inside. Um, there we go. There's Miss Shirley in her kitchen. And so um, I, I got to tell you, I just give a shout out to Danny. I know Danny doesn't want any any praise with any of this, but God used you, Danny, in in an incredible way um, to get us on the ground with a homeowner who had probably one of the first FEMA settlements in the whole state. And it just, God lined all of that up to where, bingo, next thing you know, we have a footer in the ground and we're building a home. And I think, I, I can't say this for sure, but I really think, because we did this in West Virginia. In West Virginia, we built the first home built after the flood in 2016. And when we dedicated it, Senator Capito came to that dedication, if you, if you remember. And you all framed that house. Well, you all. A lot of you who were part of that group framed that house. And uh, I think this is the first conventionally built house finished after the flood in Kentucky as well. I think there are a couple modular homes, but I don't count those as real homes okay uh, if you're in a modular home business I'm sorry um, I just you know stick-built or brick-built um, these are things that that last forever and so this was a real joy but this isn't the only thing that happened yesterday we dedicated the home I went over we have two other homes underway outside of Whitesburg there one for a teacher that stands about this tall I mean she's just a little bitty thing uh, Miss Cook and we, we were framing it and then another four bedroom two bath home for some grandparents that are raising four grandkids, um, which is a situation that we run into a lot. And then, on top of it, guy from Eastman Foundation slid me a little check that I stuck in my pocket, and you'll probably see this in the paper in a few days because we're gonna do a formal presentation ceremony. But, uh, you know, gave us 50 grand yesterday. That's always a nice thing to happen. And uh, so, so, love Eastman. And uh, then we got a call from Home Depot Foundation, and they committed 100 grand to start. So really, really great day. Uh, so those two hours driving home, um, I flew because that car was so light, and uh, Dallas knows I fly all the time in the car. I drive almost as fast as Danny Williams does. I just want you to know, I want you to know that. So let's go to the next slide. I want to tell you why we do what we do. Most of you have an idea of who we are and what we do because you've been associated with this church or other churches that we work with. But this is why we do what we do. Let me explain this little map to you a second. This comes from the Appalachia, Appalachia Regional Commission. We have good friends up there that have been very supportive of us to the tune of over a couple hundred thousand a year for the, like the last six or seven years. But uh, ARC in D.C., there are... Good agencies of the government. I want you to know that and ARC is one of those that supports good work But they do a study every year The red counties the red counties are in the lowest 10% of counties in the country economically The pinkish or salmon color they're in the bottom 25% White Is the middle 50% light blue the top 25% and dark blue the top 10% now do I have to say anything else about why we do what we do now I'm gonna make another point that some of you might not be as comfortable with but I'm gonna say it anyway I I I mean what are you gonna do fire me I mean I don't work here or anything so (laughs) I'm gonna say say what I want to say regardless Um, You know, we have a lot of people that think people are poor because they make bad choices and they're lazy. Did God just throw a bunch of lazy people in that red bullseye? Or could it be more likely that there once was an industry there that really brought a lot of prosperity... That technology came along and they developed machines that replaced a hundred men at a time and now the industry itself is dying and there are no choices there are no jobs except to move away and y'all are from Appalachia you understand a sense of place and a sense of home and it's very easy for us to say move and they've lived on that property for three or four generations. And so I know some of you are there are some people that are poor from their bad choices, please. And there are some people that are lazy. Don't hear me say that. But i got to tell you, it's out of the families that I work with, I would say the ratio is about one out of every 20 to 25 families that I meet. Most of them, it's because someone has died. Or someone got really sick. Or someone went through a divorce. Or grandparents inherit four or five grandkids because their kids are hooked on opioids. And they're thrown into poverty. I tell you, the statistics show that by and large, look, I had one fellow say to me, he said it straight out. He just looked me in the face and he said, Mr. Crouch, no one wants to be poor. No one wants to be poor. And I tell you, you know, God had to work a work in my heart. And I'll tell you about that when I first came to ASP, which, by the way, was I was voted in 12 years ago just a couple weeks ago was my 12-year anniversary and uh and now let's go to the next slide i want to tell a few stories and i'll come back to the point i just made in a moment this is angela Uh, we worked on angela's house this past summer with our summer program now you're not as familiar with our summer program our summer program is a youth work program before the pandemic i'll qualify it that way before the pandemic we would have 13 to 14,000 volunteers come during the summer, of which 10,000 of those were youth, high school youth. And we would do major repairs on homes. That's what we do. We, don't do. we don't clean yards and paint houses and wash windows. We put on roofs and fix foundations and fix floors and build accessibility ramps and things like that. And we trust youth under direction of people that know what they're doing to do that work. It's amazing how it happens. It's a miracle every summer. We hire about a hundred college students. We train them. They go out and set up centers in schools and churches all over central Appalachia. We train them for two weeks. We send them out. We pray really hard. And then it seems like God performs a miracle every summer. We'll help. In a regular summer back then, we're rebuilding because COVID just kind of knocked the wind out of everything. We had to cancel Summer of 2020, first summer we canceled in our 53-year history uh, at that time. But, uh, well, I need to move on, because I'll I'll get on a soapbox and get distracted, and y'all be here all night. Let me tell you about Angela, though. We worked on her home this past summer in Knott County, Kentucky, and uh, her husband died of cancer in 2006, and then she got her grandkids, uh, several years later, legal custody, because of drug issues with her children. And I tell you, that story we hear again and again and again. She lived in an old mobile home. And by the way, mobile homes are so bad throughout central Appalachia that that HUD, if you live in a mobile home in central Appalachia that predates 1974, you're considered homeless even if you're living in a home. That's how bad they are. Uh, we, we, we replaced one in Dry Creek flood here for a, for a lady and, and, and honestly her old mobile home walls were this thick with no insulation at all had fallen to the bottom. She was paying $375 to $400 a month during the winter to cool that thing. The flood that came through and wiped that home out was the best thing that ever happened to her. Because we built her a new home and her energy bills went down to between 90 and and $100 a month during the winter in a, in a new home. So we had to go in and fix her floors. We, we, put new siding on, built new accessibility and stuff. And here's what Angela said. She said, God performed a miracle through ASP because now our family gets to live in a home like most people do. I mean, this had leaky roof, floor falling through and we went through, replaced. I mean, really, we probably should have built a new home but instead we spent maybe 25, $30,000 and made the old home like a new home because we just can't afford to build a new home for everybody next slide this is Prince and Michelle I put their story in here because they live in a city they live in Charleston West Virginia they live on the west side if you need to know anything about the west side it's the tougher part of town I'll say it that way And we're engaging with the city of Charleston to rebuild and renew the west side of Charleston. And so every summer for the last four or five summers, we've had a summer center in Charleston on the west side. And I've actually had parents call me and say, is it safe? Our first summer, all-state high school basketball player was murdered on the street in a drive-by shooting right across the street from a house we were working on. People asked, are we gonna pull off the job? I said, and let the enemy win. He's already done enough tragedy. Let's work light out of that. And we did, and that proved to the community our dedication to helping them rebuild the West Side, and now we have support all over the West Side by doing that. Prince and Michelle, they wanted a new roof. I love they picked red. You know, with that yellow house siding and that red roof, that house, like, just, I mean, it, it's flashing neon when you drive through the community. So we put a roof on it. But when we started putting a roof on it, all of a sudden we realized, we discovered they did not have a working bathroom. In fact, we found out they had not had running water in the house since 2014. That they went to some relatives always to take baths and showers. They bought their water in a plastic jug. And that's just how they had been living since 2014 because something went wrong with the plumbing. And the plumber came in and told him, it's down under. And it's going to cost a lot of money to fix. So they decided we'll do without water. Well, we said, well, let's let us look at it. And they said, well, we just want a roof. We just want the roof stop leak. I said, no, we're going to see if we can do a bathroom. And found out it wasn't as expensive as they thought it was. There was some pipes that had a problem in the crawl space, but it was obscene what someone was trying to take advantage of them. And they lived all of those years. I don't, I don't know about you all. I don't know if I can get away with saying this. I mean, I live by grace, and I love grace, but golly, anybody would do something like that to a poor family there might be a special place somewhere for people like that. I'll just say it that way, okay? I just believe it because God has a heart for the poor. I mean, all you have to do is look it up in Scripture. I mean, if you don't have a heart for the poor, then I would check your heart. I'll just say that out loud. There again, I'm not here week to week. You can take it out on my son, not me, <laughs> if I say some stuff, all right? So, so we put in a new bathroom for them and a new roof. And they are ecstatic now. They hadn't had a bathroom in eight years. And now they have running water in the house where they actually don't have to go buy water. Well, they still have to buy it. They're in the city. But uh, but anyway, Prince and Michelle. Next one, just giving you a taste. This is Aggie and Theo. Man, we fell in love with this family in McGoffin County this summer. Now, I got to tell you, if you go visit Maggie and Theo, when you park your car and get out, you got to watch where you step. I mean, there are landmines of all kinds everywhere because what? There's chickens and dogs and pigs and cattle. I mean, cows walking everywhere because you come in the fence and once you're in the fence, everything's inside the fence, doesn't matter what it is. And so we would tiptoe around, you know, and most of our volunteers all summer were cleaning shoes, you know? I mean, that's just the way it was. But this couple, you can see the joy on their faces. Guess what? <laughs> Six grandchildren into their home so what they try to do they tried to build their own addition they got some two by fours and plywood and put something together that of course would never pass code in a place that has codes a lot of places we don't where we work don't have codes and so we went in and started insulating on the outside the inside ran electrical in it you know put some underpinning on it all that and was in the middle of working on it when the flood hit And it washed out the road to their house. And so now we're waiting for the road to get repaired so we can go back and finish the addition so that they have a great addition for their family. Let's go to the next one real quick. This is Joe. Joe lives about 30 miles from here. Some of you may know Joe. Anybody know Joe? Have seen Joe? uh, Some of you are shaking your head. Joe's house, like a lot of houses we run into, Joe had an accident 10 years ago. Left him in a wheelchair. A lot of our families we run into, accident or illness has caused them to be physically challenged in ways that their house is no longer friendly to them. Joe's house has not been friendly to him for 10 years. He had a makeshift ramp that he literally had a rope that he had to pull himself to get up the ramp to get into his house. As you can see, we went in, and all the floors in his house were all buckled because he had a leaky roof. And, of course, a leaky roof ends up buckling your floors. His wheelchair in places he could not go because the floor would sink with him if he went through it. We had to replace all the floors, do all that. And we redid his kitchen. And to show you the good spirit that Joe had, he said to our volunteers one day, he said, This is amazing. Do you realize, I haven't seen the inside of my sink for 10 years. And he loves sitting there in his wheelchair now doing his own dishes. See, there's so much that we take for granted. Let me tell you a quick one about Becky, who lives three miles from here, off a little road off Austin Springs, just after you cross the lake. We discovered Becky living in a one-room shack. This is seven years ago this happened, in a one-room shack. Now, we're talking three miles from here probably, four miles from here. She lived in that shack for 27 years, no running water, hauled her water up the hill, got it from a neighbor down at the bottom of the hill, filled it up with a garden hose and two-gallon jugs, went up, had a microwave. She and her husband, who's been long past, built that house from lumber scraps from construction sites. They used a chainsaw to cut. We called it the Chainsaw House because they used it to cut any of the lumber or anything and built this little place that she was living in that way. We found out that her grandkids came to visit her, the reason we found out about it. And someone called DCS on them, on her, because the home was not fit to have her twin granddaughters come visit her. So we went into Becky's house. And we just built the house around her house. We added kitchen, bathroom, living room. We drilled a very expensive well because it was up on the mountainside. I think the well was like 27 grand by itself. How we got a septic tank in, I'll never know. But somehow it passed a perk and we got a septic tank in. And Becky says now she has a normal home like everyone else and her grandkids can come visit. But, you know, when I sat down with her, I said, Becky, what does this mean for you? She said these words, it means I can bake cookies with my grandkids. I tell you, I visited a family in Leslie County, Kentucky. I wasn't going to tell this story, but I'm going to tell it. Um, and we had done everything to this home. We put a new roof on it. We put new siding, insulated more, put new siding around it, built new porches and redid the floors inside and walls and replaced doors and just completely remodeled and rebuilt this house. And I went in to visit and uh, it was a single mom that had three little girls and three little girls remind me so much of my own three little granddaughters that Dallas and Morgan's girls, and uh, they were like dancing around on this floor because they'd never been able to dance around on their floor before. It had old musty carpet and was bowed and all that, and now they had a nice flat floor that had um, vinyl plank flooring on it, and they were sliding around and dancing on it. They were having a good time, and Anyway, so the mother called the eldest daughter, come over here, and she came over and whispered in her ear. So she came over, and she pulled on my pant leg. I love it when little kids pull on my pant leg. Pulled on my pant leg, and so I knelt down so I could see her face to face. And she looked at me and said, thank you for fixing my home. And I said, no, no, no. Thank you for letting us work on your home. And then she said this. She said, now I can have my friends over. I immediately started like a baby I had this visceral reaction that I couldn't even understand I, I you know, hugged on him you know, gave her a big hug because I'm crying and the mom's crying and all that and I was just shaking I could not get a hold of my emotions and so I went out to my vehicle and I sat in my vehicle and I'm just bawling my head against the steering wheel and then it hit me when I grew up I never had my friends over. We were six boys living in a two-bedroom house that was not unlike the houses that I work on all the time. I never had a friend spend the night or come to a birthday party because we were too ashamed of our house. My mama wouldn't let me, and uh, man, it just hit me like a ton of bricks that that's why I was so emotional about that. And I think it's why I'm so passionate about what we do. And I think it's also why I get upset when people blame poor people for being poor. My dad was one of the hardest workers you'd ever meet. He was a heavy equipment mechanic, worked on farms, worked fixed tractors and big pumps and things like that. And he just worked hard. He didn't make a lot of money. He had six kids and my mom was always sick. No insurance and we just didn't have much we never bought store-bought cereal uh, we I'd have bread and milk uh, and y'all ate tear up bread put it in a bowl pour milk on it a little sugar that's what we ate we uh, had a lot of uh, potato soup we had red eye gravy on toast but there was another name we referred to it as that I won't say here in church um, I mean, that's just the way I grew up. I had three older brothers. All my clothes were always hand-me-downs. I never had new clothes. I had one new bicycle in my life, and I will remember it forever because it was the most special gift when I, when I turned 12 years old. I just couldn't believe it. But I grew up in poverty, and I tell you what, my dad would deck half the people that I talked to who talk about people living in poverty. He would have put them on their backside. Because it just ain't true. It ain't. And you know why I think we try to make it true? Because then we don't have to do anything about it. Nowhere in the Bible do I ever read where it says there's deserving poor and undeserving poor. There's just the poor. How they got there is none of our business. We're just called to love on them. We're just called to help them. Let God settle the score with them if somehow they deserve what they got. But that's not our calling. We're not God. We're just called to go out and give them value and give them hope and love on them. To see a family receive a set of keys or to see them. There was an old fella. He's probably 86, 87, little old guy. He did the best jig you would ever want to see on his new floor for me. He was just so happy to have a floor. See, that's why I do, I, you know, I don't think people care to know about Jesus unless they know you care. And the greatest witness you could ever do is to put your prejudices aside and just love on people. No prejudice, whether it's race or anything like that, should get in the way of your love. Scripture says even love your enemies, people that hate you. So that's why we do what we do. But i got to tell you one last story, and then I'll close and let the the praise band know that. Let's go to the next slide. This is Robert. Y'all remember your first kiss? Did any of you remember your first kiss? I know some of you are too old to remember, maybe. I don't know. I mean, you know, I got to say, they say you always remember your first kiss. I really don't remember my first kiss at all. But I tell you one thing, though, that I discover folks that come out and serve with us, one thing they do remember, even after years and years later, they remember their first family they worked with. I got to meet Robert before I even started at ASP. I was voted in late October, started in January, of 2011, in December of 2010, I tromped through the snow to Robert's trailer right here in Johnson City. Robert had just gotten out of prison. His wife was still in prison. His four kids were in the system. Robert was desperately trying to repair his home that it had roof leaks, and because they were both in prison, the roof leaks then became a disaster on this mobile home. Everything needed fixed on it. Robert had a chance. The judge said, if you can get your home in good condition within six weeks, we may let you start having visitation with your kids at home. So he and his dad, when we discovered them, were up trying to put a new roof on that mobile home. And uh, they asked me to come see this because they thought, here's a typical project. Let's see how our new CEO and president reacts to it. When they told me that Robert, uh, when they told me that he'd gotten out of prison, I mean, automatically those prejudices went up with me. They just did. I remember going out there and meeting him and talking to him and seeing the work we're doing. But then it happened. A social worker came by with two of his daughters for a visitation a supervised visitation right there and I saw those daughters crying and loving on their daddy and their daddy loving on them. And I gotta tell you in that moment God told me, Look, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you think. What's important is what I think. And I love Robert and I love those girls and I love this family. And they need their home fixed. And you know what happened? I went in and looking, and we're talking about all the work the staff is talking about. I go into the bathroom, and I said, man, alive, what are we going to do about the bathroom? And they said, well, we're not going to do anything. I said, why? I said, well, we don't have enough funding. So before I ever went to work for ASP and got a paycheck, I became a major donor that day. (laughs) And I gave them the money to put in a new bathroom for them. And guess what? Robert still lives in town today. And he's with his wife and all four kids. There's one of them not shown in the picture. All four kids are back with him, and they're a normal family today. But I tell you what, that day I met Robert. God did that somewhat for Robert, but i got to tell you, God did it for me. Because unless I had been not converted that day, I would not have the passion and love I have for the ministry that I'm part of it's because of Robert and the love that those girls, those two right there that visited him that day, showed on him. And God used that to break my heart. Let's go to the final slide here. Next slide. One who is gracious to a poor person lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed. I love this verse um, because, first of all, it talks about the relationship that God has with poor people, right? If you are gracious to a poor person, you lend to the Lord, and God will repay you for the kindness that you give to someone who's poor. Notice it doesn't say what kind of poor person, deserving, undeserving, whatever. It just says to a poor person. Whoever's gracious, what is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. They don't deserve, they may not deserve it. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. I can't get this through to enough people. We are a grace ministry. And what Christians do is all about grace. Man, there's no way I would ever earn or deserve heaven. And God showed grace to me, a pitiful sinner. The chief of sinners, I would say. And now I get to someday enjoy the glories of heaven and have God's presence in my life today to give me peace and joy and security in the midst of a crazy world. If God showed that kind of grace to me, Lord knows you should be able to show that kind of grace to somebody who's just struggling to get by. But when you are, you have this guarantee. I tell you what, if I ran a bank, I would give God a loan every time he asked for one. Right? (laughs) Right? Because God, when God usually repays, it's shaking down and flowing over, isn't it? And so, look, I'm not saying to do it for that. But you have God's guarantee that you're never going to give anything, no matter how large, to the poor, that you won't be repaid again someday. This church did an incredible thing during your mission week on your anniversary. What, $46,000? $48,000? Let me tell you what, y'all are never going to miss that. Why? Because it's going to help a family build a house. I think they're grandparents with four grandchildren. I may be wrong, but anyway, it's a family that needs a home. This poor, this church will never miss that. Ever. Because why? Because God has said He will repay you. I know I've sounded a little lecturing. With this group of people, I've known some of you for so long, it's hard for me not to get preachy when I'm in front of you, okay? But I got to tell you, y'all are doing an incredible job here in helping ASP, but there's a community. There's people within, not quite a stone's throw. I got to get the direction right. Stone's throw of this church that can use your love and that don't need housing. They just need somebody to love on them and help them. But by the grace of God, there go I, right? Now, I feel very fortunate to come out of the situation I grew up in. My dad was an alcoholic, and uh, he worked hard, but, man, he he was pretty tough when he drank. Six of us boys, and I got to tell you, none of us are economically poor today in any way because we came out of that situation because my parents did teach us about loving every person regardless of their race, creed, or color, working hard, and giving respect to your country and to God at the same time. And with all of those and applying those to our lives, we were fortunate that we had choices to move ahead because I grew up in South Florida. If I'd grown up in McGoffin County, Kentucky, I may still be living in a house just like some of the ones that you've seen because a lot of those folks don't have the choices I had. So that's all i got to say. Do you have any questions? I, I said I would take entertain a couple questions and then we'll sing. But, you know, whatever questions I wanted to share about ASP, I think this will be the last time you'll ever, if I step up here, that I'll be sharing about ASP because if I get invited again, I'm going to preach or teach the Bible. I want you to know. <laughs> I just love doing that. So any questions? Thank you guys for being who you are. Um, I know Miss Shirley's grateful for who you are as a church. And uh, man, it all began 11 years ago at a place called Dry Creek right over here. When we built a home for Doug, first home ASP had built in ages. And it's because Dan Eldridge asked us to build homes for people that got flooded. We're 10 years later, and over 250 homes later. Oh, what God has done. May God get the glory. Lord bless you all. Praise Dan. Come on up.